going to make a start to our meeting now. So uh, welcome to those who've managed to make it here. Um, and uh, welcome to any who may be joining us online. Uh, we've got apologies from Abigail. Um, she had hoped to be able to join us in person tonight, but um, David is held up at work. So uh, she's having to stay at home with the children. Um, so um, what I'm going to do this evening, I'm going to read what the one verse. We actually will just be considering one verse from Proverbs tonight. Um, uh, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 22. Um, but I want to also read uh, a section from Proverbs 31 also, um, which is relevant to that verse we're thinking about. So the verse we're thinking about is... Uh, Proverbs um, 11 and verse 22, um, which says this, Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. And then the passage, that, the longer passage I'd like us to read is from Proverbs 31, and verse 10, Proverbs 31, verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. 
Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her words praise her in the gates. So now let's, uh, let's pray and let's draw near to God together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word and thank you that your word teaches us about how we are to live. And Lord, in this very important matter of marriage, uh, we, we can gain wisdom from your word about how to find a good partner to marry. Lord, we do pray that all of us will benefit from tonight, whether we are married, whether we're single, whether we're hoping to marry, or whether we have no plans to marry at all. We do pray that all of us will benefit from this time and uh, be helped to be wise, not only in the matter of marriage, but also in the matter of all other relationships as well, all other partnerships as well. So please help us, we pray, as we, uh, as we have this time together. Uh, through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we return this evening to the book of Proverbs. And uh, this evening I want us just to think about one verse from our series. Although, as you'll have gathered, I will be referring to that passage in chapter 31 as well and other places as well. And uh, I want to do so uh, referring to, so verse, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. And uh, I want to consider this verse under the subject, biblical guidance for the choice of a marriage partner. Well, why do we need to hear about this? You might say to you, to me, well, I'm, I'm not married. I'm not, I'm not uh, involved in any relationship. I'm not planning to get married. Why do I need to hear about this? Well, you never know. <laughs> you know, somebody might start to take an interest in you or you might start taking interest in somebody else and you might never have any plans to marry. And then uh, you might find what we're going to be thinking about this evening helpful. It also, um, I, I trust, could be helpful for those of us who are already married because it's too late to do anything about that decision if we're already married. Uh, but uh, it can help us to fulfill our own roles, those of us who are married, in a godly way. And... Then also, all of us, whether we're married or whether we're single, whether, whether we hope to marry or whether we know that we, or we feel confident that we will never marry, all of us, it can be helpful because we might be called upon to give advice to somebody who might be considering getting married. And also, what we're thinking about this evening has implications generally for relationships generally for partnerships. Marriage is, of course, the strongest partnership that you can have in life. But various ones of us, we have different sorts of partnerships. We have friendships. Some of us 
uh, go into business with other people. Uh, some of us uh, have flatmates. And so uh, there are principles here, I think, which we can learn from in general as well. And also what we're going to be thinking about this evening, uh, I hope, might speak to anybody who's not yet born again, and that person might be helped to see if, if he or she is not a Christian um, and uh, can benefit. So I do hope that you will listen carefully as we consider this subject together. I think we can probably safely say that apart from becoming a Christian, deciding whom you will marry is the biggest single decision that any one of us can make. Get this decision right, and you're set up well for, God willing, many years to come until either you or your spouse dies. Get this decision wrong, and you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of misery, potentially utter misery, and uh, loneliness, in fact. There can be nothing more lonely than being married to somebody who is unsuitable. And what this verse warns about is the danger of being guided in this question of marriage, of being guided only by the physical attractiveness of a potential marriage partner. It's not saying that physical attraction is wrong. Physical attraction is something beautiful and wonderful that's been made by God. And, and um, in the Song of Songs, the, 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 the groom and his wife are delighting in each other in their, in their physical beauty. There's nothing wrong with that within the context of marriage. But if that is the only consideration or the leading consideration, then you are setting yourself up for potentially for disaster. And uh, Solomon makes this comparison with a, a gold ring in the pig, in the, in, the, in the nose, the snout of a pig. And you've got basically, it's almost like an absurd idea of something really, really beautiful and valuable that is joined to something which is ugly and disgusting. So you've got a gold ring. You think, oh, wow, this lovely, beautiful gold ring. Oh, I really want this gold ring. But with the gold ring comes a horrible pig. A pig that is smelly, antisocial, which will dig up your garden, got filthy habits, and of course for a Jew is unclean and, and, and totally repulsive and you know it must have anything to do with it at all. But you can't have this gold ring that's in the in the start of a pig, you can't have the ring without the pig. The pig comes with the ring. The disgusting pig comes with the beautiful ring. And he's saying that's a, that's a picture of a beautiful woman who's got no discretion. You get attracted to this beautiful woman, 
But with the beautiful woman comes a life that is like a pig. Disgusting. Filthy. Wrongly directed. A life that's going to make you feel, if you're a Christian particularly, that's going to make you feel profoundly uncomfortable. That's going to make your life miserable. Through being close to this fool, your life will become almost untenable. And so what what Solomon is really saying is that the attraction of being drawn to a, a beautiful woman is far outweighed by the misery of what comes with that beautiful woman if she's not a godly woman, if she's a, a woman who lacks discretion. And, of course, you know, when the Bible talks about um, someone who is a fool, it's talking about somebody who, uh, or who lacks discretion, it's talking about somebody who is anti-God. The fo- a fool in, in the Proverbs and a fool in the Bible, generally, is someone who is opposed to God. Someone who's not born again. Someone who is set on sin. And so this combination of Physical beauty with with uh, an unrenewed heart is something which is really dangerous uh, and, and, and potentially extremely harmful. Now, of course, what Solomon says about the danger of an attractive woman to a, a Christian man is equally, of course, true about the danger of a, a man who's physically attractive to... A woman. Now, obviously, attraction, I understand, works differently uh, with women, and and um, women perhaps are not so attracted to phys- men physically in the way that that, um, that that men get attracted to women physically. But still, it can happen that a woman can think, oh, this is dashing man who seems so strong and so handsome and so good-looking. And there's a danger. She might be drawn to this man not thinking well, what's his character like? And in just the same way, she could land up in, a, you know, the, doing the equivalent, marrying or getting involved with somebody who is like a ring in the snout of a pig, leading to all sorts of miseries for her. Now, other scriptures also warn us about, both warn us about the danger of getting involved in somebody who is not a believer, but also commend to us the value of getting involved in somebody who is godly. So um, a bit further on in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, and verses 15 and 16, you have uh, a description of the misery of of an ungodly wife. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 15, it, 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 it almost makes you smile as, it, as, as you read it, don't you, doesn't it? A, con- a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. This, you know, this, this 
you know, the, you know, they get those days, don't you, when it's just raining, 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 drip, 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 and the, and it's almost like a sort of slow torture. Well, he's saying that's what it is. If you've got a wife who's always quarrelling, always nagging, always being miserable, always finding fault, she's just like that rainy day that just. There's continual dripping on a rainy day. There's never any let up. Uh, and, and that is how an ungodly woman can be. And to restrain her, there's no restraining her. It's like trying to restrain the wind or like trying to grasp oil in one's hands. You just slips through your fingers. So there's that negative thing there. But then positively, chapter 31, which is why I read that passage in chapter 31, you've got the description of a godly woman. Um, and this clearly is, this description of godly woman is held out at the end of Proverbs as a sort of an ideal woman. And as if Solomon is saying, look, if you're looking for a good woman to marry, here's, here's a sort of an identikit of a good godly woman. And I think particularly verse 10 uh, gives us a pointer to that. Uh, an excellent wife who can find. She's far more precious than gold, uh, than, than jewels, sorry. Um, it's really, really valuable to have a good, godly wife. Um, and there are various features that we can see come out from, from this passage of this ideal woman. She's um, trustworthy. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. He can he can leave his wife to get on with things. He knows she's not going to go and play the harlot with somebody. She's no she's not going to waste his money. She's not going to, you know, ruin her his possessions. She's going to be she's going to look after the family well. Um, she does good to her husband. Verse twelve. She does good to him, and not harm all the days of her life. She's loyal to her husband. A good the. This good wife works very hard. Verse fifteen, she see, verse thirteen, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Verse fifteen, she rises while it is still while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Verse eighteen, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night, so she's working th into the night. And verse twenty three. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, verse 22, she makes uh, bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. And uh, verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Um, so here's this hardworking uh, lady working late into the night, up in the morning, and constantly at work providing for her family. Uh, she's a skilled trader, verse 14. She, she's, she's like the ships of the merchant, and she brings her food from afar. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. And verse 23, um, uh, her husband is well-known. Uh, uh, no, actually, I've got the wrong verse there. And then also she's generous, verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. 
And this is all concluded with verse 30, which ties up with what we've seen in Proverbs um, 11, verse 22. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, again, these what is described here can be mirrored with a woman looking for a husband. Uh, she also should look for a husband who is, who is trustworthy, a, a, trust, a, a husband who is hardworking, who is a skilled trader, who is generous, and who fears the Lord. Now also, Peter talks in his first chapter, first letter, chapter 3, about the value of, of, uh, of, uh, of godly behavior in a woman. Um, uh, First Peter chapter 3, um, and uh, uh, verses, uh, verse 3. Uh, do not let your adorning your your beauty be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. This is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Now, this is addressed to Christian women living with actually non-Christian husbands. But surely here is something for, this, this is something which should instruct men as well. Look, if you're looking for a beautiful woman, look for a woman who's got a beautiful character rather than necessarily a beautiful uh, beauty externally. Um, and uh, also um, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, uh, there's a description there of, 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 uh, of how a godly woman should conduct herself. Um, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 um, and... Verse 9, likewise also the women should adorn themselves with res- in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or gold or pearls or costly attire. So we see that there are so many encouragements in Scripture to look for a godly spouse. And this is, of course, quite apart from the teaching in Scripture, which there is about the danger of being unequally yoked, which is in in two Timothy two Corinthians chapter six. I won't turn to that now, but there's that passage there about the danger of joining together, the sin of joining together with someone who is who is not a believer. So, what sort of things? If if a, if, if a Christian man is looking for a spouse. Or a Christian woman is looking for a husband. What sort of things should they look for? Let me mention three main areas. The first thing is you need to be quite sure 
that the person that you are thinking of marrying has true saving faith. You might say, well, surely I can take this for granted if, you know, if my friend's been baptized and he or she is a member of a Bible-believing church, then surely that person must have saving faith, but not necessarily. Some churches are not very discerning about whom they baptize or whom they accept as members. And even the best churches can make mistakes. So two questions I find helpful when I'm actually talking with people evangelistically, and you know, it doesn't do any harm to, you know, if there's somebody that you're, quotes going out with, for want of a better word, doesn't do any harm to ask these two questions of, of, of your friend. Number one, do you know for sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? And those who are not truly saved will often say something like, well, I hope I'll go to heaven, or I'd like to think I'll go to heaven but often will not have cast iron in assurance. And then the second question is, if you were to die tonight and God was to say to you, is there a reason why I should let you into heaven, how would you answer? Now again, those who are not truly converted will often say something like, well, I try to obey God's commands. I, I serve God. I, I pray. I read my Bible. I go to church. Where somebody who's truly converted will say, Something like, I'm a terrible sinner. I deserve hell. But I thank God that Jesus died for my sins. I'm looking to him and him alone to make me fit for heaven. So seek to ascertain if your friend has got real, true saving faith. Secondly, look for evidence that your friend is truly born again. Don't just go by the profession of faith that he or she makes, but look for evidence. Are there signs of the rebirth? What sort of signs, you might say, would, would, would one look for? Well, for example, a conviction that the Bible is the word of God and a willingness to let the Bible be the arbiter in all discussions about faith and about practice. If, if you're discussing some matter of doctrine or some matter of morality, and then the person says, oh, well, that's just Paul. Oh, I don't really believe that bit of the Bible. Then you've got reason to doubt that person really is born again. Another sign of, of being born again is a deep sense of conviction of sin and a sense of unworthiness. Remember Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's the people who, who grieve over their sins, who really are truly born again. And then also, a great desire to be like Christ and a real dissatisfaction with poor progress in holiness. A sense of grief when he or she falls into sin. Again, remember how Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. And then another sign of being born again is a brokenness of spirit, a meekness and a humility, a willingness to accept correction. Again, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Ask yourself, what is his or her attitude 
if challenged about his or her behavior. If you challenge your friend about something that he or she is doing wrong and, and, and your friend rears up in anger and gets deeply offended with you and, and makes counter accusations, then that's, that's really quite a warning sign. What is, how truthful, another sign of, 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 of being born again is truthfulness. Somebody who's truly born again is fundamentally a truthful person. He or she is honest before God and honest before other people about his or her sins. Do you know that you can rely on this person, that he or she tells the truth? If you can't rely on that person, that he or she is truthful, how can you believe that that person's going to be keeping his or her marriage vows? And then also a desire for God. A love of uh, church services, a love of the Bible, a love of good Christian books, a rooting for God and a desire to, to grow in the knowledge of Christ. And then also a love for God's people. There's a difference between somebody who likes coming to meetings of the church and meet and joining together with his or her own type. You know, young people meeting with young people, older people meeting with older people. There's a difference between doing that and somebody has a genuine love for all of the Lord's people, whatever their background. A truly born-again person will genuinely love the Lord's people. And then also a truly born-again person will have a genuine desire for the lost. He or she will be praying for lost family members, praying for lost friends and work colleagues and trying to witness to them. Somebody who's truly born again will usually be really involved in the church, not just turning up once on a Sunday or once, once a fortnight, once a month on a Sunday, but actively involved in, in the life of a church. Uh, somebody who is truly born again will also be willing to accept God's pattern for male and female roles. Somebody who says, oh, well, I don't accept that, that men should, should take leadership in a marriage and that women should submit. If somebody doesn't accept the teaching of the Bible at that fundamental point, then that really is a matter for serious concern. Somebody who's truly born again also will be living for the world to come rather than for this world. Paul says about the enemies of the cross that they, their God is this world, their God is the stomach. But he says about, he says about believers, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from there we eagerly await a savior. And somebody who's born again will be really happy to read the Bible with you and pray with you on a one-to-one -one basis. When you spend time with your, quotes, boyfriend, quotes, girlfriend, and you say, could we pray together? Could we read the Bible together? What's the response? Do, do, does he or she say, oh, why do we have to do that? Can't we go out somewhere? Can't we do this? Can't we do Well, that is a matter for real concern, if that's the case. So I would say, number one, Check, 
does your friend have a, a clear profession of faith in Christ? Number two, is your friend showing signs of being born again? Thirdly, consider if, the, if your friend shares with you the same fundamental Christian convictions and values. Now, it may be that we go through that list of tests of being born again, and you'd say, well, yeah, I think, I think he or she is born again. I think that probably is the case. Might not be very strong as a Christian, but, you know, perhaps, perhaps that person is born again. Give, give, give him or her the benefit of the doubt. But actually, when it comes down to your fundamental values or your fundamental convictions as a Christian, your poles apart. For example, maybe you know there are this difference between Christians on the, on the role, the 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 the, the, the sovereign, the, the extent to which God has chosen those who are saved. Some Christians uh, really strongly emphasise the sovereignty of God in salvation, say, well, it's, it's ultimately down to the fact that if I'm saved, it's because God chose me. Now, if your friend is somebody who really strongly says, no, 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 it's not that God chose us, it's that I chose God. God could see there was something in me that, that I that was going to believe in him, and, and therefore, he, yes, he chose me, but he chose me because of what I did or because he knew what I was going to do. Your friend might be a Christian, but that doctrinal difference is going to really make a big difference. Well, so, well, what about your gifts, your view of gifts of the Holy Spirit? You know, uh, whether which, which can be gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit continue. Suppose your friend is a really, it, you, your own view is that the gifts, the, some of the gifts have ceased or you're very skeptical about whether they continue, but your friend is absolutely convinced, yes, yes, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue, and your friend is going to be praying in what he or she believes to be tongues really, really loudly for an hour a day. That's going to make life difficult for you. You're probably going to find yourself uh, uncomfortable. Or what about more practical things? What about... Uh, Perhaps you'd really have to give up a loss of hospitality. But your friend, no, no I, I like to have my, my home as my castle. I like to keep myself to myself. Or you'd really want to be, every Sunday, you want to be at church morning and evening, and you want to be involved in evangelism during the week. You want to be at the prayer meeting, Bible study. But your friend says, oh, no, once a Sunday is enough for me. I'm a Christian, I'm born again, but once a Sunday is enough for me. Or perhaps you'd want to be really generous with your money. But your friend says, no, well, you know, we give a bit, you know, put a fiver in the offering, but, but you know, I, I do want to, I would really want to have a nice house. I would really want to, you know, have a really comfortable way of life. I'd like to go on expensive holidays. Well, that, that's likely to be a problem for you. Or what about, what about, the attitude towards having children. Uh, you might want to have lots and lots of children, but your friend says, no, no, no. I wouldn't want I'd just one, maybe, or perhaps two max, top max, or 
Maybe none at all. I, I've heard of marriages where the marriage is broken down because one partner said he wanted to have children, and the wife said, no, no way, no way. And he, you know, that was it. He, they, they, they just couldn't stay together. So it's really important that you talk, talk through these issues. And every issue you can think of, what would you actually do this be? What would you actually do that be? What would you like to do in this? Suppose this would happen. What would you be? Talk and talk and talk and talk to get an idea of where your friend is at. And not only talk, but watch. See what he or she does when your eye is not obviously on, on him or her. Well, I hope that's helpful for us, and um, we might hopefully have a bit of discussion, but also um, uh, I do want to have a bit of time for prayer as well tonight. But what can we say by conclusion? Well, you know, you might think, oh, this is such a huge decision, I don't, you know, do anything. Well, thanks be to God, even big decisions, the Lord does promise to guide us in, and the Lord does promise to provide. And... uh, so commit your way to the Lord, seek his face, and look to him to, to guide and lead. Also, remember what we've seen in Proverbs, in the multitude of counselors is wisdom. You know, if there's a friend that you're thinking of marrying, um, ask advice from good friends, from wise Christians. But I also want to just say, as I'm finishing... It may be that somebody was listening to this tonight, and as I went through those qualifications and signs of being born again, somebody might have been saying to himself or herself, do you know what? I'm not sure I'm born again. Uh, I I wonder if, if actually I'm not really a Christian. Well, if that's the case, come to Christ. Uh, remember what, what Peter said on the day of Pentecost when the people said, what must I do? They, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises to you and to your children and to, uh, uh, and to all who are for, far off, to all whom the Lord our God will call. So come to Christ and look to him to make you, uh, to save you and to cause you to be born again well uh, let's uh, let's commit this this time to God now and then very soon um, we will start the zoom meeting should be in about just a, a minute or so so don't go away uh, but those of you online do do switch over to zoom and uh, join us for for that time so so let and then I say well God will have a bit of a time of prayer as well so uh, let's pray now Lord God, thank you for your word and thank you that your word does give us guidance and help for these sorts of decisions. And we pray that you will help us to to heed your word and we pray that you'll help us to to draw near to you and to learn from your word. And uh, Lord, we pray for any who are not married, who wish to be married, that uh, if it's your will, you'll provide um, spouses for them, and we pray you'll help them to make wise choices. Those of us who are already married, we pray that you will help
Help us to um, be good spouses ourselves and, uh, and um, to be better husbands, better wives. Those who um, have, have no prospect of being married or no desire to be married, we pray that you will bless them and encourage them in their wider relationships with other people and help them to be a blessing and a comfort to those who are married and help them not to feel excluded by, by those who are married, but help, help those who are married to include them in their lives. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray that you will bless uh, our discussion and we pray that you will help us also to have a profitable time of prayer. Through Jesus Christ. Amen.